Welcome to Eastside's Global Economy Podcast. My name is Frederick Eriksson, and today we're going to talk about relative economic decline, and more specifically, the decline of the European economy in comparison with the American economy. And with me to talk about this, I have my colleague, Oscar Guinea, who's a senior economist at ESIP and who is also the lead economist behind a paper that we published quite recently, which is specifically about a topic. It's called, If the EU was a state in the United States, comparing economic growth between the EU and US states. And we make sure that we also put a link to that paper in the show notes. Oscar, I have um, seen your name being quoted and referenced in several newspaper articles since we published this paper a few weeks ago. Can you start by painting us a picture about EU economic growth and perhaps how EU compare with the US in economic growth? Thank you, Frederick, and thank you very much for having me on the podcast. Well, the EU and the US GDP per capita behave very similarly until 2000, when the gap in GDP per capita between both started to widen. This path of divergence became particularly acute since the start of the global financial crisis in 2008. Let me give you one example. Between 2010 and 2021, U.S. GDP per capita grew at an average of 3.4%, while EU GDP per capita increased by 1.6% on average. For some, the difference between 3.4 and 1.6 may not sound that alarming, and that is true if we were to talk about one year. However, this difference over a long period of time mattered a lot. At the current growth rates, it will take 20 years for output per person to double in the US, while in the EU, it will take more than four decades. And this matters to people's prosperity. In 2010, US GDP per capita was 47% larger than the EU, while in 2021, this gap increased to 82%. This gap is important. GDP per capita is not the be-all and end-all of economic policy, but there are many aspects of well-being that are correlated with GDP per capita, which are critical for a good life. In the paper, you're also comparing EU countries with US states. So we're not just uh, looking then at the average growth rates in the EU or in the United States, but also comparing with US states like California or Arkansas, Mississippi, Massachusetts, and other places in America. So what's the results from this comparison? How, how do EU countries individually compare with individual US states? How do they rank? Well, this is probably the most innovative part of our paper. So I explained before that the EU and the US GDP per capita have been divergent, with the US pushing ahead and taking a substantial lead over the EU. But we wanted to explore not just the EU and the US average GDP per capita, but also GDP per capita of the constituent parts, the EU member states for the European Union and the states for the United States. And what's, that's what we did. We gathered data on GDP and population for the EU member states and the US states. We made adjustments to account for changes in prices and exchange rates and rank 
GDP per capita for the EU member states and for the US states from the highest to the lowest. And the results were shocking and far more interesting than just looking at the aggregate EU and US average GDP per capita. Now imagine, Frederick, that each EU member state and US state is a cyclist, a noduli cyclist. They cycle in two teams, Team Europe and Team USA. It's a bit like the Ryder Cup, but without the Brits. So where are the cyclers from these two teams in the tool of economic growth? Well, in the first half of the peloton, you have 33 US states and only four EU member states, which are Luxembourg, Ireland, Denmark, and the Netherlands. In percentage, the first half of the peloton is made of 89% of US states and 11% of EU member states. In the second half of the peloton, you will find 17 US states and 22 EU member states, again in percentage. 44% of the second half of the peloton is made of US states and 56% are EU member states. Now, if we look at the EU member states and US states that are at the end of the pack, the ones that are struggling to keep up with the first half of the peloton are just happy to reach the finish line. These are the EU countries and US states that are at the bottom quarter of the distribution of GDP per capita. There you will find 16 EU member states and only two US states, which is equivalent to almost 9 in 10 of the cyclers at the very end of the peloton wearing a blue jersey with yellow stars for Team Europe and 1 in 10 of the cyclers wearing a red and blue jersey with white stars for Team USA. So which are the EU member states at the bottom of the peloton? These are some of the EU member states that joined the EU between 2004 and 2007, like Romania, Poland, Latvia, or Estonia, with a low level of GDP per capita. Countries that have experienced a remarkable growth in GDP per capita over the last 20 years, but because they started from a low base, they remain at the bottom of the pack. However, at the end of the peloton, you will also find some modern and sizable EU economies. Countries like Italy, Spain or France, whose economic performance during the last 20 years had been mediocre at best. And funny enough, these are also some of the countries that have given us some of the best professional cyclers, including my country, Spain. But unfortunately, when it comes to the tool of economic growth, these countries are not leading Team Europe. Well, I'm glad you mentioned cycling there, Oscar, especially since the tour has just ended. And it was a Dane who won, not an American. And of course, the, the most famous American cyclist of all, Lance Armstrong, he had to hand in his medals because he had been doping. Um, perhaps there is a lesson for us there as well. But uh, let's let's leave that for the moment and just, and just ask, so the picture that you're painting now, both in terms of averages for the EU and the United States, who, and when it comes to individual EU and US states, I mean, they are pretty stark. I mean, is this the ranking that you just mentioned? Is this something which has happened now? Or sort of if we look at over the past 20 years, has, has the rankings changed anything? Or is it has this been sort of a stable situation for quite some time? When the, the situation I have just described was not like this 20 years ago. It was more even. I mean, if you were to do the same exercise as we did for 2021, and rank GDP per capita for EU member states and US states in 2000. 
seven EU member states will have been in the first half of the peloton. As mentioned, in 2021, there were only four EU member states in the first half, while the rest were in the second half. But I can take your question further and ask how the individual EU member states and the US states have moved in terms of the relative GDP per capita. Between 2000 and 2021, eight EU member states climb up the ranking. Four EU member states kept the same position and 14 EU member states slide down in the ranking of GDP per capita. Now, the, the avid listener has realized that we are missing one member state. And this is because the World Bank database that we use in the analysis include data for all the EU member states with the exception of Malta. So with apologies to Malta, the split is as follows. The relative ranking of GDP per capita in 31% of EU member states went up, for 15% stayed the same, and it went down for more than half of the EU member states. To understand the growing gap in GDP per capita between the EU and the US, it's important to look at these EU member states which became relatively poorer in terms of the GDP per capita. These are large EU countries which have the ability to move the needle of the EU average GDP per capita. And it's quite shocking. Italy lost 25 places, Spain 13 places, France went down in the ranking by 11 places, and Germany declined 6 places. The 14 EU member states that saw the relative ranking of GDP per capita decline represent 89% of EU GDP. Let me give you an, another example. In 2000, France was richer than 14 US states. In fact, it was as rich as Ohio or South Carolina. But in 2021, France's GDP per capita was only larger than two US states, Idaho and Mississippi, the two US states with the lowest GDP per capita in the US. It's also true that the EU has had tremendous successes. The fastest increases in GDP per capita among EU member states and US states were in Lithuania, Romania, Latvia, Bulgaria, Estonia, and Poland. So economic growth is possible within the EU. And in fact, these countries have benefited from being members of the EU and for having access to markets, investment, and cohesion funds that have contributed to the growth in GDP per capita. However, these countries' GDP per capita started from a low base, as I mentioned before, and the relatively small size meant that the increase in GDP per capita had not been enough to push up the EU average. So what's behind the EU relative economic climb vis-a-vis -vis America? You mentioned economic growth rates now, but what's, what's behind um, the fact that European growth rates have been smaller than American growth rates? Well, there are many factors that explain the gap between the EU and the US GDP per capita. But let me start with the factors that we believe do not explain this growing gap. Uh, traditionally, the difference in GDP per capita between the EU and the US has been assumed to be a product of societal factors such as working hours and social contracts. Americans work longer hours than Europeans, and it is only logical that the fruit of their labor are also bigger. Americans have also lower social spending and are willing to accept higher income inequality, which some have argued that also contributed to higher levels of economic growth in the US. However, what we found was that in these dimensions, the difference between the EU and the US hasn't really changed much during the last 20 years. 
social spending in the U.S. is growing, and while it hasn't reached the levels attained in the EU, some EU countries, the gap is closing. The differences in the Gini coefficient that measures income inequality of the EU and the U.S. have remained stable, and differences in working hours have not increased. What we believe that there are all the reasons that account for the growing gap in GDP per capita between the EU and the US, and we point our fingers towards productivity. Labor productivity has grown faster in the US than in the Euro area. We look at three components of productivity, capital deepening, meaning the amount of capital per worker, the utilization of this capital, and total factor of productivity, which is a benchmark for the rate of technology and innovation growth in the economy. The main difference that we found when comparing the drivers of productivity in the Euro area and the US is that the level of capital deepening and total factor of productivity is substantially bigger in the US than in the Euro area. These drivers of economic growth are fundamental. Total factor productivity is critical for sustained economic growth and is driven by a higher pace of research and innovation. U.S. companies spend on average 40% more on research and development than EU companies. And in addition, the U.S. is a more dynamic economy with a higher degree of business churn, which is the rate that new firms enter and exit the market and labor mobility. The combination of these two factors, higher level of research and development spending and a more dynamic economy, are critical ingredients to understand the difference in labor productivity between the EU and the US and the growing gap in GDP per capita. So let's assume that the trends that we have witnessed and that you've documented in the paper and just been talking about, let's assume that it's continued. So how is that going to affect European rankings or European positions vis-a-vis -vis America in the future? Well, if we extrapolate the past trends and project them into the future, the picture for Europe is bleak. As I mentioned, at the moment, GDP per capita is 82% higher in the US than in the EU. If we carry this trend forward, in 2035, the average GDP per capita in the US will be $96,000, while the average EU GDP per capita will be $16,000. This is actually the same difference in GDP per capita as between Europe and India today. And these figures should offer us pose for thought, but our study was not an exercise on EU bashing, but a wake-up call. The US economy has clearly outperformed the EU. This disparity in economic output has been sustained over a long period of time and resulted in a huge gap in average material prosperity between the EU and the US. Our findings are a cause for concern, but not for despair. The fact that modern and comparable economies like US states can sustain higher levels of economic growth than the EU member states means that the EU is not doomed to low levels of economic growth. And these higher levels of economic growth are needed to help the EU tackle the challenges that it faces at the moment. The energy transition, an aging population, large levels of debt, achieving higher levels of economic growth through a better use of resources and a higher levels of innovation is not just desirable, it is a necessity. 
All right. Thank you very much for that, Oscar. I mean, I mean, all the figures that you're presenting are actually pretty stark. And the extrapolation that you just mentioned, pointing to a difference between the US average and the EU average in 2035 being similar to the difference in prosperity between the EU and India today, of course. I mean, it's incredible. There is no other word for it that developments over time can generate that type of relative change in how different economic regions compare with each other. And I think this goes back to one of the points that you're making in the paper that it may not matter that there is a GDP growth differential, a difference between economic regions in GDP growth for one year or two years, perhaps not even for three years. When you actually scale it out over several decades, then of course you will find that the differences are going to grow to become enormously big. Oscar, thank you so much for taking the time to to walk me through the, the stats and the data of the paper. And I hope others are going to share the optimism you have and not feel this bad about this gap and what may happen unless there's going to be fundamental change in economic growth policies in Europe. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me, Frederick. Bye.